Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bloke and the Bird Show. And it is currently January 10th, and Lewis Hamilton does not have a contract. I think that might make this the most depressing week of the last 11 months. (laughs) (laughs) This has been a rough week. So I have heard... Um, that a deadline was set for the end of the month. I've heard that there was a major impasse. I've heard that there was a big breakthrough. And I've heard from Mercedes saying that all the stories about Lewis's contract are complete fiction. (laughs) So So, all we know is he doesn't have a contract. (laughs) But all the story, if Mercedes is to be believed, all the stories about his contract are fiction. And so if anybody says that he doesn't have a contract, he has a contract. Well, there's that possibility too. But who knows? You would think though that if he actually had a contract, somebody would be making an announcement. But Mercedes said that all the stories about his contract <laughs> were fiction. <laughs> yeah, well, there's that too. I, I don't know. I, I I don't understand. I mean, I get it. I'm sure he wants more money. I'm sure a thousand things. But at the end of the day, you either want to drive for Formula One or you don't. If you want to retire, you are at your peak. Go on and get out. Go do something else. It's okay. Well, you know, I think that's the thing with Lewis right now is I'm not completely sure he knows what he really wants to do. And I think that's the problem. He knows what he likes to do, Mm -hmm. but he doesn't know what he wants to do. Well, I mean, let's get honest for a second. I mean, seriously honest. Mm Mm-hmm. He's been racing since he was a child. He was single digits. Mm -hmm. He's 35 years old. Does he know what he wants to do when he grows up? 35 years old, and I believe it's like the last 14 or 15 years, have been in Formula One. Well, yeah. And before that, it was... He was still racing. The junior series and karting and... Oh, yeah. I mean, he's... He's been with McLaren. He was with signed with Mercedes as of thirteen years old, because it was Mercedes McLaren at like twelve or thirteen. Yeah, I don't remember when he went to Ron Dennis and said, um, "I'm going to drive for you." Yeah, I mean, just in a way, and I I hesitate to say this. He's a multi billionaire. I get mm-hmm. all of that. It's hard to feel sorry <clears throat> for him. But in a way, I do. He's done one thing his whole life. Well, we don't know about that. I mean, we, we there, there's the fashion line. There's the fashion line. There's the, the track he put on the Ariana Grande album. I understand he's done other things. <laughs> but he's essentially done one thing for a job. Well, yeah, always. Always. And it's a job that does have a time limit. Kemi Raikkonen, the possible exception to that. Apparently, he's the crypt keeper and he will be driving until he's... Wow. You know. So, But but it, it, it's more than just that, though, because what we don't see from Lewis, we've seen from other drivers, and that's this desire to remain in autosport even after stepping away from Formula One. 
whether that's getting more involved on the business side of the house, a la David Cothard or Mark Weber or well, that's Alan the, Pro- the media side or Alan Prost or that would be the business side. Any any of those folks, you know, or you know what Nikki Lauda did, who who basically invested in pretty much anything that came his way, and did fairly well at most of it. We we don't see any of those efforts from. I mean, what we see truly is the charitable stuff, the 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 activism. Yeah, we we see that stuff, and and, and that's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And, and certainly, with the money that he has, if he wanted to dedicate himself to causes, he could still live extremely comfortably and still have a lot of influence. But I don't know if that's really what he wants to dedicate himself to. As much as he's committed to his causes, I don't know if he wants to dedicate himself to those causes so that that's his occupation. And that's where I think he... I think, you know, we've talked a lot through the years that we've we've sat here and analyzed the business of Formula One and the drivers of Formula mm-hmm. One. We've talked a lot about a, different, a bunch of different things, but one of the thoughts that we've talked about Lewis is his growing up and he's matured throughout Mm -hmm. his entire career. I mean, obviously we've watched, we've watched him grow. We've watched him grow in the 13 or 14 years he's been on the grid in F1 and those that have been in the know of the up and comers have watched him grow up since childhood. And you can point to in his F1 career turning points. It's, when he got really serious about driving and he stopped being emotional Lewis and became apparently dumping Nicole Scherzinger was was a very big key to that <laughs> <Apparently>. thank you <laughs> um but when he stopped having bad days off the track that then would carry through the weekend mm-hmm. um and he was <clears throat> less emotional Lewis we saw his driving improve when he took on a sustainable lifestyle and he went vegan and it was all about health and his own growth as far as sustainability, we saw a more mature Lewis on the track. Every commentator I listen to has talked about for the last two to three years, every year the statement is Lewis is at a different level than Lewis has ever been before. Yeah. Think about that in terms of your own career. Think about that in your own life. What if every year on your evaluation, the response was you are operating at a different level than you've ever operated before. And then the next year it was the same thing. You're operating at a different level again. And And, and then you start to understand how demoralizing it's been to Valtteri Bottas. Well, okay. Yeah. (laughs) He's got to have a counselor, but what I think, what I would think about, and why I say it's kind of hard to say that you feel sorry for him, but I do because he's operating at the very pinnacle of his performance to date. And in the 2 a.m. moments when he stops and thinks about and evaluates his, his life, he's got to be asking himself the question because my understanding is he's a very intuitively insightful and personally self-aware gentleman he's got to be asking that's what we've heard 
he's got to be asking himself, am I, have I peaked? And personally, I've never gotten the impression that he doesn't want to walk out of Formula One at the top. I don't think he wants to be a Kemi and just hang on to hang on. I think he wants to no. get to his peak and then tap out. And he's got to be asking himself the question, am I at my peak? I'm not sure even if it's entirely whether or not he that, that he's asking himself if he's at his peak. I think it's more that he's asking himself if he's still enjoying it. Well, That's really what I see with him and why he dabbles in so much stuff and doesn't settle on as much is he's trying to find the thing. That next thing that is mm-hmm. the love of his life. Mm-hmm. And and when he finds it, that's when it, it, it's either going to be when he finds it or when he truly falls out of love with Formula One. One of those two is going to happen first. And I hope he does find the next big love before he falls out of love with Formula One. But I do have to wonder if he's thinking, Do I ha- is there more of me to give to this next year? I think there's soul searching going on. I think what we're facing and why we don't have a contract right this second is quite frankly, I think this is another growth moment that Lewis is going through. I think we're about to see Lewis grow one more time and we've seen probably my my back of the envelope says that we've seen three major growth moments of lewis in the last few years it's since we've been watching formula one uh we've we've watched the sunsetting of the emotional lewis we've watched the sustainable lewis that he's focused on his health and his his eating and his exercise and how that affects him in the car um, and now the social piece. And now there's the social activism piece. I think the next Lewis that we're going to start to see is that we're talking about the the hierarchy of needs. I think we're going to see it self-actualized, Lewis. Is this is this for me? Is Am I performing? Am, do I have well, more to give? Is this sport have more to give I, to me? I, I'm, I'm wondering if, if he also starts to take a look and, and, and especially compared to a lot of other drivers... And starts thinking about what he's had to sacrifice over, and and it seems odd to say that when you're somebody who, when you're talking about someone who has got multi billions of dollars and is considered one of the most influential people in sports and a very influential person in general, to go, he he may start taking a look at what he's had to sacrifice to get there. You know, you, you look at somebody like Roman Grosjean, who's married and got kids, and even Sebastian Vettel is, is mm-hmm. married, we hear. And, and we know he has kids. We're, no, he finally, oh, we con- did confirm he, he finally confirmed he is married. Yeah. I think he got married here recently. That may have been what it was. And that's when he confirmed that he has he actually has a wife. Um, but yeah, he's 35 years old, and he has mm-hmm. no I mean, even wife. Kimi Raikkonen has, has a wife and kids. I mean, goodness gracious, Valtteri's been married and divorced. Well, yeah, there's... I mean, <laughs> the, and we, I, I don't follow him. I don't follow him on social media. I don't know if he's seriously dating anyone. I don't know if part of what is going on is what he's had to give up. And maybe there's some heart-to-hearts that he's having with Toto because Toto's having that same, mm-hmm. even though they're different ages and different life spots, 
Toto's having that same crisis of connection. What's next? Yeah. And what's next? And I think Lewis is also thinking about, he, he's got to be thinking about what's next. What's life after motorsport? And does he take that role of a piece of the team mm-hmm. and continuing on? Because it is, I mean, there's a huge heart thing for motorsport. And there's a give back thing. And with his statement that he made, and I think he always thinks about the statements that he's going to make over the radio when he wins. That statement when he won the championship, and it was for all the kids out there that dream a dream. It's Mm -hmm. possible. And, you know, has that crossed his mind of what can I give to the kids that are the up-and-comers? I mean, you think about... Um, Toto's wife Susie and Susie Wolf and the the girls programs and what was that Dare yeah, to Be Different Dare to Be Different I, I don't think that's the direction that Lewis is I don't think he's going to have that I, direction I but it's that passion project yeah it, I think if he does it's going to be more around social justice and that also is definitely possible I think that some of the things that have happened in 2020 rocked his world yeah. And they resonated with some of his own experiences. And he's got a very powerful and unique platform that he can leverage both the things that resonate with him, but also his own social experiences that are equally powerful. Um, I mean, he's, he's realized he has a voice and that voice means something. And as long as it, I mean, as, as I tell every person that has a voice out there, you use it for good and you use it Mm -hmm. for the right things you should go for it um i wish him luck i i don't envy being in this position honestly i don't envy somebody having to try to figure out what's the next big thing in their life when they're such at the top of their game everybody expects you to do one thing and he's got to be having that thought of do i do what is expected or maybe I want to do something different. And he doesn't want to pull a Fernando Alonso. Well, there's that. All right. So we have uh, analyzed, psychoanalyzed Lewis Hamilton for the first 15 minutes of the podcast. Yeah. And we are no further down the road of understanding the motivations of Lewis. So maybe we can find out the motivations of other people. Well, I don't know about that. But... W- yeah, I, I don't know how to take that into a segue into our next story. It just, it I does just, not, I tried to tease does, something no, up. No, it do, doesn't work. It, especially when it's that Lando Norris is uh, in quarantine right now in uh, Dubai, in the UAE, after testing positive on Monday. Well, the, the announcement came out on Monday, testing positive for COVID 19. Um, what we know is. Uh, he noticed a loss of taste and a loss of smell uh, and went to get tested and came back positive and has since gone into quarantine. Uh, no real other info. The, the team says that uh, uh, those are the only symptoms as of right now in their statement, uh, but we'll keep an eye on it. Apparently, well, not apparently because I saw it happen. Um, when it hit and it was on, I think Lando's, one of his social media page, maybe even his Instagram page, but when it hit there, it flooded Reddit and all of the, the social media there 
to the point that folks thought that Reddit was like about to crash because it was just one after another after another after because everyone's like, oh, I see. Oh, my word. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I hate that Lando has, has the Rona, but I hope that he is a speedy recovery and it's mild symptoms. Yeah, as we know more, we will pass that along. Um, the the other announcement, and I guess this is probably the first real sign of the new leadership over at Mercedes because we knew that the Williams family was always against increasing the partnership and, and, and making it look like they were becoming that Mercedes B team. It does not sound like the new management over at Williams feels the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, they have announced that they are actually strengthening ties with Mercedes, starting with uh, they're going to be running Mercedes gearboxes in 2021. Okay. So, well, I mean, hopefully they get off becoming a firm backmarker team as a part of that. Yeah. That I mean, that that's the hope, is that's where this goes. I, I, I don't know. I I mean, it, it's gearboxes, and that has not been their problem. Their problem has been the arrow. So I, I don't know. Well, I mean, we can always use more baby Mercedes on the grid. <laughs> Okay. I think most of the other teams would uh, not agree with that. They'd be wrong. Okay. So I mean, not that I'm biased or anything. Got it. I'm expressing my unbiasedness. Yeah. Um, You you don't actually think that anyway, but whatever. I don't actually think we should have more baby Mercedes? Yeah. Okay. When we have spoken in the past about more spec cars, about less creativity and differentiation between the cars you have spoken out about such strategies so for you to turn around and say that now is the exact opposite thing that's what i'm telling you no you are correct i am incredibly pro creativity i am incredibly pro pushing the boundaries what you just said was utter nonsense (laughs) sarcasm sarcasm okay so this time and, and you know we haven't done this in a while and, and and i've avoided doing these we did it the first year of the show we you know you, you get to the end of the season and the drivers get their annual performance reviews oh we're doing performance reviews um well we hadn't talked about them since that first year that we did because you know what we found is a lot of what came out of them was fluff well, performance reviews, I mean, it's when they write their self-evaluations, you always know it's really fluffy material. It is. I mean, and Roman Grosjean this year had a really hard time writing his self-evaluation. He dictated it. <laughs> yeah. But by the way, the, the update on Roman, he posted yesterday that yesterday was his first day that he went all day through the actual day without having bandages on. Oh, wow. Still putting them on at night. But going through the day without bandages. Oh, that's so huge. Big improvements over there with with Roman. That is huge. Um, I can't. I mean, this is one of those things where, like, I personally have a connection. It's my burn connection. But I've had, <laughs> I've had third degree burns, and mm. those are they are incredibly painful. And the first couple of times, because your skin is so incredible 
incredibly sensitive. I mean, air hurts. Yeah. And bandages hurt. And you know you have to... You have to get the bandages off so that you heal, but air hurts and everything hurts. I, I I can tell you that seeing his hands wrapped up actually was a flashback moment. And you, you when you have gone through it, you remember that pain. And maybe not exactly the pain, but you remember the emotional feeling of just being defeated by it and i can't explain it any other way Hmm. it hurts and it hurts deep okay but that really wasn't where we were headed okay i thought we were talking about his burns and then he wasn't no i was just giving a quick update there oh that was all i was planning on no we were were talking performance reviews okay so with going back to the performance reviews so we got the the self-review from lance stroll oh we did Lance Stroll, who said that he believes that his performances this past year helped answer a lot of questions to himself and to others over his ability and built his confidence in having this good racing point car. He he, he says that the, the, car, the 2020 racing point was by far the best car he had driven through his entire F1 career and helped build confidence in his own abilities after previously struggling in you know, much worse cars, particularly over at Williams. He says, if you get a good car, you get good results. And then you just build confidence from there. Sometimes when I was in a bad car, if anything, it kind of backfired in me, especially in the beginning of your career. When you're in a bad car, you don't know what it's like to be in a good car until you sit in one. You kind of start to question what your ability is like. And if it is as good as the others that are in good cars, because you just don't know what a good car feels like. It's not, he says, he wants us to know, it's it's not that he sucks. It's that he's just had bad cars. It's the car's fault. It is a poor mechanic that blames his tools. It is. Um, really, the, honestly, I think Jack Nichols and Annie Benson <laughs> over at the BBC this past week Um, said it much better than I could. He has an ability to pull things out the bag, Stroll. You don't think he's very good. And then he isn't very good. And then suddenly he's really, really mega at times. You think of Monza a couple of years ago. He's stuck on the front row in a Williams in the rain. He's really good in the rain, full stop. And he's really good on a certain kind of circuit with straights and short duration corners. But he's not really good overall Maybe he can get there, but it's been four years now. Um, isn't, so, isn't isn't the rain where good drivers? You see good drivers, isn't that what everyone always says? Is that you see the good drivers in the rain? Yeah, I really can't get my head around it. <laughs> I love that quote. <laughs> I, I, I do. I I have actually listened to that show more than once now, and I can tell you that that is what the the quote about he's not very good you, you think he's not very good and then he's, he's not, not very, very good, good. <laughs> it, that catches me off every single time and i love it because he's not and the the truth is my i get that you hate him mm-hmm. and everything that he 
exemplifies, I think is really part of the reasons why you hate him so and, much. And, and it is a lot about, and this year, honestly, I will concede, especially having the better car and seeing what the performance is, that Lance is probably at best a mid-pack driver. Mm-hmm. He will never win a world championship. No. And it doesn't matter what car you put him in, he will never win a world championship. He will be one of he will be a, a lot like a Roman Grosjean. That is the best that I think anybody could ever hope for Lance's performance. That said, there are much better drivers out there who Lance's presence is costing them seats. And I don't like that. So the thing that you don't know, and okay. I don't know, and I can't answer, and if people that are far more in the know would be able to answer, is is Lance is Lance's current presence preventing someone who would be a world champion from having that seat, or are yes. we? I I would argue that part of the reason that somebody like a George Russell is stuck in Williams right now and not moving up is because of Lance. We know that Lance's shift over to the Racing Point team cost Esteban Ocon a seat. And honestly, Esteban's a better driver. Esteban is a better driver. I will grant you, hands down. But I don't believe... Because I firmly believe that by 2022, I believe George is going to be in the Mercedes. I, I think I that, really that's do. extremely likely. I, I think I think it's incredibly likely. But by comparison, though, when Valtteri's looking for a seat, Lawrence isn't going to go and replace Lance with Valtteri. And Valtteri will be out because of Lance. Nico Hulkenberg, he's got no chance of getting back into Formula One, partly because of Lance. Okay. Now, I I get his seat is there because of daddy's money. And I know that chaps you to no end. Mm -hmm. And I get that it prevents some motion around. But Lance isn't what prevented uh, Nico Hulkenberg from being able to drive her top team. Nico had been in the sport for a lot of years before Lance showed yeah. up. And But Ni- I'm not saying a top team. And and well, the 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 up and coming Aston Martin probably won't be a top team either. No. They should be a, a mid-pack team. It's a mid-pack car and he's a <clears throat> mid-pack driver in a mid-pack car and by definition that means he is appropriately placed for now. Now, but that's only based, quite frankly, on a couple of good races that he's had this year when everything else went to heck for everybody that's in a top-tier team. Yeah. He's had three total podiums in his entire Formula One career. Two of them have been in this year. I think all of them are third places. And all of them are because top drivers weren't racing anymore. I think he's gotten a second. I think his first podium was a second. 
I know in both Russia. of the ones this year have been thirds. I think the one in Russia was a second in the Williams. But, you know, again, to, to Andy Benson's point, in very specific situations, he does well. And only in those situations. And that's part of the problem. Is because the good drivers, the drivers who belong there... The great drivers. And especially the great drivers. They're not just good at some tracks in certain conditions. And like like Andy Benson said, it's been four years. And it hasn't gotten better in the other areas. And that's the bigger problem. Well, and that's the thing is we are not seeing any growth in him as a driver. Mm -hmm. We're not seeing those year-over-year improvements on the tracks he doesn't do well at. We are seeing a, for lack of a better way of saying it, we see a one-trick pony here. He's good in the rain. He's good on long, straight, short corners. Mm -hmm. Period. Well, how much of that is the percentage of the year? And, and and you, you can't even turn around and say, well, you know, he, he still had, especially, you know, two years ago, let alone now that he's been in, been in the series for four years, you can't turn around and say, well, you know, he has limited Formula One experience and limited race experience. He came up through the junior series, and when he went to Williams, at least that first year, if not the first two years, when they weren't on the track racing, Lawrence was renting out tracks and paying Williams for two-year-old-plus cars to get Lance more time behind the wheel in a Formula One car. So it's not like he hasn't had the experience. And the truth, he's going to be part of that generation that we're going to put the asterisk next to their name and go, wasn't that great? Because he's not that great. Yeah. And... He will go down in history at the same level as a Pastor Maldonado who has a, yeah. has a you know one glorious day. Kamui Kobayashi. And, but the thing is, I liked Kamui. He well, had a great personality. That's, that's the big thing. You, you, you liked Kamui, and unlike Pastor Maldonado, where everybody hated, and, and even when you listen to the press talk about dealing with Lance— and the fact that they hated talk, they, not not hated, they hate talking to him because he's not a good interview. He's not enthusiastic. He's not friendly. Even when he comes off one of these big highs and they're trying to be excited and enthusiastic and friendly for him and they don't get it back from him. Well, and that's the thing. I, I think that some of these drivers miss, and it's, it's something that Lewis is masterful at. Mm-hmm. It's something that you, you uh, George Russell is masterful at, and I don't think he quite gets it, but it's why we love Lando, and it's why you love Carlos, and you, you loved Mark Weber and Jensen Button. Because they were having fun, and, they sh- and it showed. It, that's exactly what it was. At the end of the day, they were there because they love the driving. Mm-hmm. And when they got off the track and they talked to a reporter, it was, you, you, you just felt it coming through their pores that they I mean, loved what they did. Even somebody like a Sebastian Vettel. Sebastian, who at times, I mean, we've seen angry Seb, we've seen surly <laughs> Seb, we've seen upset Seb, but we've also seen quite a few times where 
he's just as bouncy and bubbly and cracking jokes like anybody else there. And he's just as entertaining to listen to. The Seagulls in Montreal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but he's... you don't get these moments with Lance. Ever. No. And that's the thing is you don't ever get the feeling that he's the little boy that loves to play with cars. Mm-hmm. You you could see young Lewis playing with cars. You could see young Seb playing with cars. And, you know, you could see them out in their, their car parks playing with the big wheels and racing around. You could even see uh, Verstappen racing around the garden and his mom Mm -hmm. telling him to go faster. Go faster. You could, you can feel that little boy in all of them that comes through. And there's something about being behind a wheel of a car at that level, at that speed, and what they're doing that should bring out the little boy in them. It, it should be that feeling of excitement, of playing with the machinery, and that mm-hmm. excitement. And it doesn't come through with Lance. And it, it honestly, it doesn't come through with some of the ones that we don't care for. Because they are so... In their heads. I mean, even or... Kimmy occasionally, you, you get those flashes that it's amusing. But the thing with Seb that I was talking about. In terms of the seagull hunt, the we seagulls. can't find him. I'm, 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 I'm gutted. The it's where is... he, he basically he uh, looked, looked up, in, he looked up into one. turn one. Wait. And, and then he went wide. Oh. Yeah, that's the one. There you go. Oh, there. Two oh. seagulls. Two seagulls, you see? <laughs> I had my eyes in so deep into the apex, I looked up. Who so would have thought it? Honestly. I thought it was groundhogs that were issue here. One more look at them. Oh, my God. They're, they're so far away. Yeah, but I, mind, mind the animals. Honestly. <laughs> that is good. You, nice. should, you should get a medal for that. That's... Did you see? They stayed. Can you show that again, please? They stayed there. <laughs> that's what really annoyed me. They stayed there. Look, you're looking up already. If I look, there's a red car coming at, I don't know, 100-something. They stay there. <laughs> They're not sure they're very clever, seagulls, but there you go. Maybe that's <laughs> well, why. Must you be see it coming. If you can catch those two seagulls, you might prove the opposite of what you ever found out in history about seagulls. We could continue this all day. I think I might have to buy you a couple of seagulls. I don't, think I don't know if they're white seagulls or whatever. I think you need a couple. But you told me you had some... Uh, the one bird did poo on my, 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 my visor right. at one stage. On that yeah. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> but you don't get those moments with Lance. No. Ever. No. I don't think he enjoys it. He doesn't, can't, he can't express hmm. the enjoyment of it to the press. Let me say it that way. The, to the public, or, I yeah. would say. Yeah. Even when he got polled this year... His yelling and screaming on the the radio didn't give me that. It was it was the I'm ready to fight sounds, not the no. So, so I I heard that as that was definitely celebration. That was definitely happy and, and yeah. There there was there was the joy there, which I would have expected. Clearly, it didn't last. Mm, clearly. Okay. So. Other Aston Martin racing news. Mm-hmm. Um, officially, and, and we mentioned this last week that we heard it was coming. Um, officially, they have announced that they have a new 
title sponsor, um, Cognizant Technology Solutions mm-hmm. um, will be their their new title sponsor. So it is the Aston Martin Cognizant Formula One team, um, which means that the pink is going away. Um, still hearing rumblings that BWT might still have some sponsorship interest with the team. I don't know. Um, we've also... I've seen some rumblings that maybe they're going to Haas. So I'm not sure how that's going to play out. But definitely all the signage has changed. They've released all statements about how great this is. So, yeah. I'm going to miss having a pink car on the grid, though. Well, the theory is it's going to be some form of British racing green and gold. We believe. Okay. No, we haven't had a... British Racing Green car on the track mm-hmm. for uh, several years since uh, uh, Cosworth is not the one I'm thinking of. Um, you're not helping me at all. <laughs> well, it was uh, Caterham you're thinking of. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to get it. I was going to give you the time. <laughs> yeah. I was waiting. I don't think they were British racing green, but they were a green. The other uh, color that is coming back, um, French racing blue for Alpine. Oh. So we'll see what that is. Now, for Aston Martin, we won't know what the, at least the first round of Aston Martin livery, because they they do kind of tweak it a little bit as we go through the year. All the teams do it. Um, they're set for a reveal, Aston Martin, in February. Much like with Ferrari saying that, well, we're, we're going to do it in February, but now we know why nobody's setting a date for it as of yet, other than just, we're going to do it in February. Why? Um, nobody's agreed on a date for winter testing. Oh. Yeah. So, and, and this kind of ties into our next story as well. Not only do we have issues with winter testing... Um, and a likelihood that winter testing is going to move. Um, but there is now question, and, and we heard the rumors about two weeks ago, and they're starting to firm up a bit more now, um, some questions as to whether or not um, we will see the Australian Grand Prix as scheduled at the start of the season. Oh, wow. So what's going on is um, the Australian government has put in place some fairly rigid two-week quarantine rules for anybody entering the country. They are not, and, and they, it's been asked and they have been denied, um, there will not be a waiving of that two-week quarantine for Formula One. So that has an impact, obviously, on testing and all the logistics around that because anybody who's got to go into Australia has got to sit for two weeks before they can do anything. Mm-hmm. So as a result, there is now talk that the Australian Grand Prix is going to get postponed. Lawrence Stroll has said that he believes it's going to be at the end of the season. Don't know exactly when, but at the end of the season. Keep in mind, right now, or, or for the currently scheduled date, that is fall in Australia. So if we have it later in the year, you know, that... June, July, August time period, that's Australian winter. Mm-hmm. So they probably don't want to be, I mean, I don't know what the weather's like down there, but I'm assuming they don't want to be down there for Australian winter, 
which means maybe October, November, December. That's going to be pretty interesting. But unless the quarantine rules are hopefully shifting throughout the year and with the accessibility of the vaccine, I would hope that that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. But that's a hope. It doesn't get easier to have to sit people through two weeks of quarantine. Yeah. Honestly, it's almost easier to have them sit at the beginning of the season because you just send them down early. Um, well, and, and I think that's the idea is if they push it to later in the season, you know, the, the hope is the situation has changed enough that there won't be the need for that quarantine. And, and that's the only way it's going to be able to be to happen mm-hmm. if it is to happen at the end of the season. You know, that's that's the only game that's the only outcome that happens is that it no longer has a two week quarantine. Otherwise go on and do it at the beginning of the season where you can have people essentially sit for mm-hmm. So as a result of the potential shift in the date in the Australian Grand Prix, that's now having a knock on effect for winter testing because one, they gotta they gotta figure out what they're doing logistically because they don't want to end up with a situation that they ended up with last year of ship everything down to Australia. And as we talked about, those logistics are incredibly complex and oh that's something that they're gonna be working on within the next couple of weeks to start packing up and sending the first stuff down in that direction. So they want to get it sorted before that that equipment starts moving. If that goes and gets postponed, that means that we would probably start in Bahrain, which is why there's now a big push, and it sounds like the teams are in agreement on this part, to relocate winter testing from Barcelona to Bahrain, with the idea being you're moving all the stuff down there. It's all in place. There, there's no additional shipping that's going to happen because the season now looks like it's going to start in Bahrain. So that's got some interest. However, there's issues with dates. <laughs> the problem is there's no agreement on the dates right now between the teams. So I guess the sporting regulations state that the test must take place between February 1st and 10 days before the start of the first event of the championship. There are several teams that want to have it as close as possible to the start of the the season. There's others that want to have it earlier in February and have not come to an agreement on that. And that's what's holding everything up. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, In addition to the Australian Grand Prix potentially being postponed, the promoter of the Chinese Grand Prix has now announced that they have requested a postponement of this year's race as well oh wow another one mm-hmm. already um they do not believe that even though they're scheduled for early april they do not believe that uh, conditions will allow them to host a race um at least host a race at that time so they're hoping to, to postpone later in the season um we've also i'm, I'm hearing more and more rumors that uh Portimao will get back on the calendar again this year and also more rumors that Imola will be back on the calendar again this year. Oh, that's exciting. One of them will be taking the uh, slot originally slated for Hanoi. Okay. And then especially if China gets postponed, that may mean a shift to Europe earlier. Okay. That makes sense. So 
we'll see what happens there. But of course, with these postponements happening and trying to push China and trying to push Australia later in the season, there's frantic conversations. We may be looking at a full re-rack of the calendar at this point. Yeah. Because you got it. I mean, there's no easy way to get to Australia. (laughs) Sorry, but there's not. So because of those logistics, that may necessitate some other changes in the calendar. Well, I mean, I think that we've proven that we can have an exciting calendar even as it reworks on the fly. Yeah. And then finally, and I don't know how many folks remembered that this occurred. Obviously, we know that, that Formula One had pushed the start times to start at 10 minutes after the hour. Correct. Um, the other thing that they did was actually they postponed the, the races used when we started watching in 2012 and up until I think it was about three years ago. It was, well, it was the first year that, that Liberty had the series. Um, they used to start at 2 p.m. local time on the dot. Correct. And then Liberty came in. They said, you know, to improve. And I never understood the logic here. But supposedly it was to build the television audiences, specifically in the U.S. Couldn't figure that one out. But specifically in the U.S. to build the, the 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 TV audiences, they pushed the start time back an hour to three, and actually they pushed it an hour and ten minutes to three ten p.m. local time. Now I knew the reason for the for the ten, the extra ten minutes. I didn't get the three o'clock why they did that. So the reason for the extra ten minutes was that they wanted to make sure since. So many viewers and so many, not just in the U.S., but in other places around the world, they don't have any pre-race coverage. So they would start right at that, to you know, right at the scheduled race time. The cars were already lined up on the grid. They were either just about, they were just going into their formation lap and boom, started off. And viewers didn't get any of the pre-race buildup. They mm-hmm. didn't get any of that, the, the ceremonies and all the other stuff. So they pushed it 10 minutes so that there was... The, the TV programs could come in at the top of the hour and there was some of that pre-race buildup available to them before the race started. That was the idea behind it. Stupid, but that was the idea behind it. Well, it turns out that the teams didn't particularly appreciate the hour later start to begin with. Um, it makes it much harder for them um, in terms of their schedules around. Basically, it, it took an hour away from their packups. Right. And there were problems with scheduling pit lane opening times and all those other bits and pieces. So Formula One starting in the 2021 season is going back to 2 p.m. local time start times. So not even the 10 minute late. Not even the 10 minutes. They are starting at the top of the hour again. ESPN will figure out how to screw that up. Well, I wouldn't say that because if... They continue to do the coverage as they have. It's a non-issue. Because remember, when this decision was made, ESPN was only carrying the Sky's actual race coverage. Right. We weren't getting any pre-race. We weren't getting any post-race that first year. Year two, after they'd already made this change, we got an extra 30. We got 30 minutes of pre-race coverage. And now we're up to that full hour. Was an hour or an hour and a half? Hour. It's just the hour. Okay. I mean, it's not as good as if you had European coverage. The British coverage. The the 
hour to an hour and a half beforehand and the hour afterwards of, yeah. And then the red button time. That was only on BBC. Only on BBC did you have the red button. Well, but there was the red button. Yes. Anyway, I'm glad to see that they're not going to lose the pack-up time. I always thought the 3 p.m. didn't make a whole lot of sense. I did understand the 10-minute late, but I think it's just uniquely to the American market that at the time, the ESPN was only covering the race, and we were the ones that were missing any of the fanfare beforehand. Yeah, um, well, Canada was another one, and, and I think Canada, their Canadian coverage, they don't get any other, they don't get any buildup. They come in at, at race they, start, they leave as soon as it's done. There can't possibly be better coverage in the U.S. than Canada. There is. That is really sad. There is. It is finally the one thing that is better <laughs> about the U.S. than Canada. <laughs> there, there can only be one thing. And on that note, we'll call it a show. We are so glad you came. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye-bye. Remember, please discard all candy wrappers and popcorn containers in the nearest trash receptacle. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> okay. Are they all gone? Uh, is, is, there, is everybody gone? <laughs> huh? Good. Oh my gosh, my cheeks are killing me. I can't keep smiling like this anymore. I am exhausted. I think I need a break. A little break? Okay.